Happy birthday, Hope Chapel Karyoi Bay! Because I'm saying it to you because you are the church. You are it. And so I am saying happy birthday, whether you've been here for 30 years or 30 minutes. Welcome to the family. And you're here. And uh, we have a short little, yeah, we've got a slideshow. We're going to show something. I mean, come on. Check out Ralph over here. Check those shorts out. You're going to see more of that. Check out this video we have. Yeah, is that cool? And here's the thing. We are celebrating 30 years, and I don't want us to celebrate 30 years just by saying, we're still here. <laughs> we survived. We exist. I don't want that. I don't want you to walk out and go, yay, water on, right on. Because you know what we're celebrating, really? We're celebrating 30 years of Jesus being worshipped in this house. We're celebrating 30 years of the word being preached. We're celebrating 30 years of salvations. We're 30 years of baptisms. 30 years of mini church. Who's been in mini church for 30 years? Your plaque is waiting for you outside. 30 years of planting churches. 30 years of mission trips. 
30 years of God's grace on us, God's provision. That's what we're celebrating, isn't it? We're celebrating transformed lives. And when I see those pictures, it's like, wow, it transformed, transformed, transformed for Jesus Christ, doing great things for the Lord. And that's what we're doing. And so we're taking a look back this morning. And I want to make sure this is the reason why we're taking a look back so that we can look forward. It's good to look back. It's, it's good to hear the testimonies about the Lord. And so we're hearing two testimonies this morning. No, you're not excited about that. You should be because some of you guys know these people and some of you guys don't know who they are. But that's awesome because you're going to know who they are at the end of it. We have Pastor Jeff Chavez in the house. And Pastor Tisha Layfeld in the house. Better known as Tisha Falcon. Pastor Jeff is the senior pastor of Hope Chapel Lewiston. But he was our uh, college pastor. He was our uh, weekend service overseer. Tisha was our women's pastor before Tamsters. Uh, she was our college pastor. I don't know what else. She, she was a youth volunteer for, with me for years. And they were in the, they're in the lifeblood of our church. And here's what we're doing. We're, they're going to just share stories. But you're, I don't want you to just turn off and go, all right, it's like watching someone's vacation video. It's like, yay, okay, when's the next? Okay, great, awesome. Um, I want you to get value in what they're saying. Because really, I wanted the, them to impart practicality to you. That God has a plan for your life. And I want to share. Can you put up the Revelation scripture on the screen? I don't have my iPad with me. But it says this, then I, uh, Revelation 12 verse 10 says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who has accused them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they do not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, that's an amazing thing because we have the accuser that is coming against us, uh, devil, Satan. He has come to lie. He's the accuser. He's accusing us of our sin and our unworthiness and, and reminding us of all these things and lying to us. The accuser. What has defeated the accuser? Obviously, the blood of the lamb. And that's a given. We're in church. Yeah, I know that. Jesus Christ. Right? That's what we celebrate every Sunday, that the, the accuser is defeated by the blood of the Lamb, the, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And then you're thinking, and our testimony? That's a step level down. What the, why is our testimony so important? Our testimony is so important because we're testifying of what the blood of the Lamb has done in our lives. And the, and the salvation and the freedom and the, and the breaking of strongholds. Are you hearing me? Is that when we speak the words of our testimony, it builds faith and it, it, it defeats the accuser. But are you guys ready to defeat the accuser this morning? We are. Because we're going to hear some great things of how God has used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But I want to do one thing first because I really believe this is a welcoming home for these guys. Uh, this is their home away from home. So let's give a warm Hope Chapel welcome by standing to our feet. Come on, stand to our feet. A welcome home back for Pastor Jeff and Pastor Tisha. Come on, welcome. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you. Thank you. You can cry. It's okay. It's okay. We're getting emotional already. I want to sit down. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> well, go ahead and say hi, guys. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Ow. 
Awesome. So good to be back in the house of God with my family. I started 26 years ago. I came to Hope Chapel, and um, I, it feels like just yesterday. I feel like it was weird seeing you up here. I felt like I was asleep, and then I woke up, and it's, you know, 20 I years do later. That. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I started coming here at Hope Chapel, but I want to introduce you to my uh, spirit-filled, sexy, haughty husband. <laughs> Because he's not here today, so go ahead and throw that picture up because I want to introduce you. This is why I actually left Hope Chapel uh, two years after. Traitors. I know. (laughs) Believe me, I looked for my husband here, but God had. I looked, let me tell you. And uh, my husband actually uh, was going to another church nearby here in Kaneohe, and the Lord uh, blessed me with uh, him pursuing me and finding me and hunting me down. And uh, five years after that, I got married, and then two years I was here at Hope Chapel full-time, and the Lord finally called me to Mountain View here in Kaneohe. But um, I do look at at Facebook, and I do find some of you at Foodland, and I jump on you and ambush you and say, I miss you. I miss the air conditioning. And this, the soft chairs and more than one bathroom. So, um, yeah, anyways, it is good to be back home, I must say. Good to be back home. Amen. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeff Chavez, and I was here, I got saved here 15 years ago and left eight years ago to plant Hope Chapel Lewiston. And uh, for those of you who don't know, this is my wife here and our three kids, uh, my wife Jacqueline. And our little cakeys, Josiah, Selah, and our youngest, Elijah. And for those of you who do remember them, uh, man, they're getting big and they're taking over. And I've discovered that I need to attend that parenting seminar. And so I'll be back uh, next week to get uh, get that information. But uh, they have been a blessing. And if they were here today, my wife and kids weren't able to make it this weekend. Uh, We're in town for the 30th anniversary uh, celebration. But if my wife and kids were here today, uh, they say to you, thank you. Uh, because you guys sent us out, uh, whether this is your first time here, your first Sunday, uh, believe it or not, you sent us out eight years ago and it's been an adventure. And so we're looking forward to just kind of filling in on a little bit of how we got to where we are today. And so, um, thank you. Yeah, we're, you know, this is actually a continuation of our series. I love my church. And I just wanted to ask you guys, the question is, uh, what was your life before you started following Jesus? How did you come to Jesus? And actually, how did you come to Hope Chapel? Well, um, I'll start first. Ladies first. Um, so I was raised Jehovah Witness. Anybody out there? <laughs> all right. That always happens. But um, <laughs> Does it so make you feel out. better if uh, I no. raise my hand? Yes, oh. would you? Uh, so I was raised Jehovah Witness. Um, I, was, I felt aimless, visionless, passionless. I was 19 years old. And somebody, I went to Windward uh, Community Ch- uh, College and, uh, to try to find vision and life. And uh, someone there invited me to Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And so, yeah, come pick me up. So I went and picked her up. And uh, I came on a Friday night. The lights were out, worship was going on, and as I walked in, uh, everybody had their arms, you know, kind of swaying and their arms up in the air, and as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, it's that kind of church. (laughs) I came with her, I couldn't back out, sat in the back, and I looked at everybody, and I was uh, inquisitive, and I was uh, weirded out, and I I, I remember looking over, and I saw... um, a guy that had his hands stretched out, and um, I remember looking at him, and his face was looking like just really full of passion, and, and he was singing the song, and I looked over to the screen, and I looked over at his mouth, and the screen, and the mouth, and I thought, oh my gosh, this guy has the song memorized, and, and so I didn't want this, 
but I can't, I wanted this. I wanted what he was doing at that moment. So there was this yearning in my heart. So as soon as the lights went up and I reached over and talked to my friend, I said, I'm just going to wait for you in the car because it's a little bit too much. So I, I start walking out and I, as I'm walking out, the lights are up now and I'm looking around, like I'm looking around now and I remember going, oh my gosh, there are some hot guys in the house. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, he's handsome and he's hot and he's good looking and oh my gosh, wonder if he's single. And, and, um, and I went, I think I have found my church. <laughs> Bring it. Oh yeah. And so that was it. I remember uh, doing that and a couple of months later as I kept on coming to Hope Chapel and what I loved about Hope Chapel is that you guys hug each other. So I was single and hugging every good looking guy I could find. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best church. I, I hug like 30 guys tonight. Uh, and so about two, three months later, I felt a tap right here in my shoulder. And I, and I remember feeling that. And I felt like God was tapping me and asking me, Tisha, will you love me all the days of your life? And I said, yeah, God, I want to love you all the days of my life. He says, not just on Sundays when you come to church or on Thursday nights when you go to, to, to mini church but will you love me all the days of your life? And I said, yeah, God, I want to love you all the days of my life. I found a scripture in Psalms 27, four, and they have it up. And I, I, that was my first scripture. I opened up the Bible and that was my first scripture. And it was, and it says, uh, one thing I desire God, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon your beauty and to seek you in, his, in your temple. And I lived, I built my house on that one verse. That's all I knew, that one verse. I still, that's all I know still to this day. <laughs> it's like a 66 books? What? There's one right here. One verse, one book, you know, come on. So, um, yeah, that's how, how it got started. Yeah. That's awesome. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, for me, um, I had moved here from Idaho. I was a student at HPU, Hawaii Pacific University, an oceanography major. And about two years in, I realized I don't want to be an oceanography major. And uh, I had come to Hawaii originally because I was having some problems at home uh, with my parents. And I just told myself, I want to get as far away from them as I can. And I want to make sure I'm someplace where they can't just show up on my door and knock. And so they'd have to get on a plane and then find me somewhere in Hawaii. So I came out. And I, through a series of connections, I ended up uh, living in this house with five other roommates. And basically, I was living in hell because they all attended Hope Chapel. And, and I hated them. And I looked at their smiling faces and thought, phony. I looked at their lives and thought, you suck. I looked at their, uh, I mean, they're noisy. They're constantly meeting, like mini church here, mini church there. What the heck is mini church? Get out of my house. Um, you know, this is my place. I live here. I want my peace. I need to study. I hate life. I'm depressed. And all I knew was that I didn't want God. God was not the answer for me. And so that was kind of my first introduction to Hope Chapel. But uh, in the midst of all that, what I had... Uh, started to experience was um, a season where just a voice had crept into my head that said I was worthless, I had no purpose, and I should kill myself. And after about a year of listening to that, I just, it was believable. It's, you're right. You know what? I don't know where the voice came from. I didn't know how to deal with it, but it became so blaring in my head that I just thought the only way to get rid of the voice was to commit suicide. And so, uh, one, one evening, um, 
you know, all the Hope Chapel freaks were, you know, out of the house. And uh, I just said, I'm going to OD on some uh, heavy-duty prescription drugs and uh, kill myself because it was the only way I could silence the, the, the voice. And immediately after I had taken it all, uh, I had this experience, this supernatural experience where I have two older brothers and when I was young, we'd wrestle and one of them would pin at me down and stick his knees in my chest and, you know, the other would tickle or mess up my hair or wail on me with fists of love or, you know, whatever. And that's what it felt like was I was pinned to my bed with this heavy weight on my, my chest and I knew it was God. And I was screaming that, I don't want you. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Let me die. And the voice was, you're worthless. You're, you're, uh, you've got no purpose. Kill yourself. You're worthless. And, and it just kept blaring, getting louder and louder and louder. And, and right about as I uh, was in this posture of passing out, um, whether it was an audible voice or a voice in my head, it doesn't really matter, but a voice so clear and so crisp pierced through all of that and said, this is not the plan or purpose that I have for your life. And I passed out with that voice in my head and woke up the next morning very sick, but the voice was still there. This is not the plan or purpose that I have for your life. And I'd love to be able to sit here and tell you that in that morning, I woke up going, praise Jesus, but I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't, want, I didn't want anything to do with him. Um, you know, and I spent the next few months just watching my roommates just now studying them a little differently and looking at them a little differently and just trying to figure out what is this thing that you've got and, and what are you doing? And then I got word of, of uh, this, this ministry that was going to get started and this college ministry. And there was this woman that kept coming to our house and she'd bring youth group leaders over and she'd sit and make noise and sit down with, um, I see George in the house and, you know, they play guitars and uh, I just kind of listen on the other side of the room. Prior to my conversion moment, I'd sit there and just kind of curse them like, oh my gosh, you know, shut up already and go home. But now I'm like listening, like, what is that that's going on? And, and then one night, uh, this woman is standing there in the kitchen kind of looking for dishes because she's got a bunch of uh, youth over to make spaghetti and stuff. And, you know, she, obviously it was apparent she didn't know how to cook. Uh, and so I immediately jump in there and I start listening and talking to her and she starts asking questions and stuff. And um, I realize there's something different. Not that the others were bad, but it was like, I can make a connection here. I could see something in her that started to answer the question that immediately arose up in me when I heard the Lord speak. I started to ask, Lord, then what is the plan and purpose for my life? If killing myself isn't, if living in depression isn't, if going to school isn't, then I want to know what it is. And there's a scripture I got um, a hold of a few years ago, actually. I, I just really came across it when it pierced my heart. And it's in Proverbs 25, 2. And it says this uh, in the New Living Translation. It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. Another version would say it this way. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the glory of kings, small k, you and I, to search that matter out. And what I really began to apprehend and understand in the years of, of transition and testimony is that God didn't come and tell me what my plan and purpose was. He just made it evident that he wanted to show me something better. He concealed the truth, not from me, but for me in such a manner that now I get the joy of searching that truth out. And that woman that was standing in the kitchen that day um, was Tisha Falcon. Excuse me. And, uh, and ever since then, I just said, Whatever she has, Lord, I want. 
And I got introduced to the Lord um, because God intervened, but somebody had discipled Tisha to be available. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was mean. I wasn't very nice. And, you know, she can tell the backstory of, of, of who well, I, I was. I but, will. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> oh, I think we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> what was really cool, it was um, all those roommates were saying, don't, don't, don't invite Jeff. Don't even ask him because he'll, like, yell at you. And so, I, like, Tisha does not like to be yelled at, you know. And so, um, but... It was his birth. I found it was his birthday, September 2nd. And uh, so what I did is I decided to invite him not to church, but to Koa House. And I thought, oh, you know, want to go have breakfast with me. I wanted to find out a little bit more about this, this kid who was interested perhaps in, in joining um, or just he was hanging around a little bit. So I took him to Koa House, and then afterwards I, I said, do you want to come cruise at my place? So I go to my place, and I grab my guitar, and I just start singing some worship songs. And after that, he starts to share with me how he wants to, he wants God. And we, I said, let's pray. And out of his own prayer, he said, God, I, I come before you and you have been standing at my door of my heart, like a gentleman. And you've been knocking like a gentleman. He says, today, I want to open that door and I want to let you in. But I, today I want to tear that door off its hinges and never again will it be shut and never again will you have to open I'll have to open it to you it's off and to hear that and to see that and to see where he's at right now what God did for me uh, with him coming into my life I, I can't thank God enough for allowing me to be at the right place at the right time and and just being uh, just doing just doing life with him and, and he just kind of sets you up to uh, have an opportunity like this. So. The awesome thing is my, you know, my life is so intertwined with these two. And I met Tisha. First time I met Tisha, she walked into my house from the main church. I was 16 years old. I was in high school. And I saw an older woman. <laughs> We're only two or three years apart. Two years. But, and, you know, when you're, when you're in high school, That's when you're weird. in high school, if you're out of high school, you're the next generation. Right, you're you're the older. So, I remember I, I remember she walked into my house, and the, the, as soon as I, this is the first quality, uh, and you probably experienced already. This is the first my first impression of Tisha. She's crazy. She's crazy, and you know what that did? That inspired me, because inside of my heart was this crazy person, and I wanted to come out. I wanted to be crazy. I was like, oh, I want to. I wanted to break out of my shell. And she was a, someone that loved the Lord and was crazy. And I wanted to be that. That was an inspiration to me. Um, and then I met Jeff. Here's how I met Jeff. I, I went to the house, I, I, and because I, I knew all the, the the pastors and the people. We went, used to go over there to hang out and everything. And here's my view of Jeff: just this creeper guy that was walking around in the hallway. <laughs> I mean, we're all doing our stuff, and the, who's that? Oh, whoa, what's that? This guy, like, sneaking. I mean, he was like, and literally, I just figured out, well, here's the heathen of the house. Here's the creeper heathen. And so that's my introduction to Jeff. This is how I knew these guys, and this is back in the 90s and everything. But So you guys have come to hope. You guys have found Jesus. You guys are following Jesus. How did you guys get involved? Uh, well, like I said, I came back on that Friday night, kept on coming back, and I only, I only saw Jesus now. I, the, uh, good-looking guys were all there, but my eyes were on one, and that was on Jesus. And, and uh, I, I 
I remember Jeff McKay. I don't know if he's here this morning, but Jeff McKay was your youth pastor. And um, he came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to do a meeting at Koa House if you want to come. I'm going to. Uh, and so I just hesitantly said, oh, OK, a meeting. I'll come. And and so I went to the meeting and there was about 12, 15 um uh, uh, people my age, and he said, I, I, I did these uh, discipleship books, and what I want you to do right now, and there was guys and girls, I want you to take these books that I wrote, and I want you to go find six people, Tisha and the girls, six girls, and the guys, six guys, and I want you to go disciple them. And I'm thinking, disciple? I don't even know what that means. Uh, I go look in the dictionary, and I find out, oh, it means to pour into somebody, and so um, I hesitantly said, okay, I got his little little pamphlet in my bat, in my hand, and I go to Hope Chapel, and I'm like, uh, you you want to go? You want to hang out with me? You want to hang out with me? And so I found six girls. Went to uh, Ben Parker right before church. Sat in the alcove. Had a, my six little girls there, and and uh, handed out Jeff McKay's discipleship books and uh, my Bible. And they got their Bibles, and so I open up and I go, okay, girls, let's open up your discipleship papers, and and okay, let's open up to Ephesians. <laughs> and I'm trying to find Ephesians, and. Uh, and then Tabitha Bryant was sitting beside me, and she's like looking at me, and I'm like, come on now, girl, look, look for Ephesians. And she goes, Tisha, Ephesians? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, it's Ephesians, Ephesians. And I'm like, okay, open up to Ephesians, okay. So uh, that day, I realized I wasn't going to disciple them. They were going to disciple me. And I was 19, they were like 14, 15 years old. We were only years apart. And, and my one verse that I had, and, and, and then knowing Ephesians, and, and my, my big yes, and my big try, try, and okay, try. Uh, uh, and to this day, I must say that I have such a passion, 26 years later, such a passion for mentoring uh, young ladies and, and, and women. And I love mentoring men, too. And... Um, <laughs> But I, I do, I, I, have, I have such a passion to see people living to their fullest for Christ. And so I cannot thank God enough for using Hope Chapel uh, at that time in my life. But I have one more story, uh, maybe four. And um, <laughs> so Sumo Sato comes up to me on a Friday night. He pulls down the back pocket, a piece of paper. Anybody remember Sumo Sato? Remember Sumo? Comes up, oh, look at all the hands. Cool. Comes up to me and he says, Tisha, would you consider working in the children's ministry? And I said, children? There's no children here. That was one thing that I liked about Hope Chapel. There was no kids. <laughs> and if you know me to this day, you, you won't believe this, but I hated kids. I was, I was 19 years old and I worked at Foxmore, whoop, whoop, and uh, in the Winter Mall and those rotten little kids would come into the store and they would run through because the parents would be trying on clothes and they'd run, run through the rounders and tear clothes and be all over and I'd be like, oh, I hate these kids. I go to Hope Chapel, I'm like, there's no kids, I love this church. He's telling me, to, do you want to work in the kids ministry? And I'm like, where are the kids? He's looked through the louvers, I looked through the louvers and all the way down the alcove, there's millions, <laughs> millions and millions of these rotten kids. And I don't know, something in me just went, okay, I, I, I'll try. So he says, come Sunday morning. And, and so I go come and I met him and he takes me down the alcove and there's these two, two, year, two year olds that he takes me to the class. And I remember uh, seeing this one little two-year-old. I walked in, and, and, she, and I'm down here, and I'm thinking, well, i got to talk to her. And she was, like, little. And so I kind of just kneeled down to get eye to eye. 
And I went, hi. And, and she's like, hi. And then I'm like, you have a little high five, you know. And then she gives me a high five. And then instantly, my heart just went. And this like love exuded, I mean, just came inside. And I'm like, no, I hate these kids. And just so much love. Seven years later, every Sunday, I worked in that children's ministry. Every Sunday. So those of you, yeah, put your hands together for that. Those of you who are saying, I'll do children's, but once a month. Forget the once a month. We're talking about every Sunday. If Tisha can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Come on. And and right here at this church, we actually, um, years later, I started writing children's music. And Tom Tom actually helped uh, produce a children's album. But God had that ordained. And here I was hating kids. And then all of a sudden, I'm doing children's ministry for uh, millions of years and then doing that. So. God is God is good. And she is seriously, I just want can I say this? Yes, please uh, you say are it. The, you are the be- I mean, you relate to children so well. I don't know anybody else. Yeah. I, literally, until this, I didn't know you hated kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, give Tisha the job. Just a bunch of kids, throw her in there. <laughs> throw her in there. But Jeff, how did you how did you get involved? Well, after I stopped being the creeper, um, uh, <laughs> the heathen creeper. Uh, I, I started following Tisha and I attended a ministry meeting cause she was starting, uh, a college ministry called affinity back then. And I just attended. And then I started attending the mini church and the small group meetings that she was having and developing teams and everything. And I just said, I'm going to follow cause I don't know what else to do. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for identity. I'm looking for value is really what I was looking for. And so, uh, you know, I'd never attended Hope Chapel on a, uh, for a service. And so one Day, she's talking about mini church, like, oh, Friday night, let's meet at Ben Parker. We'll all get together. We'll meet out front and then we'll go in and, you know, do service and then, you know, go to Zippy's afterwards. And I thought, oh, I, I think it's time. I can do that. You know, similar experience. I'm standing outside Ben Parker looking through the louvers going, no way. There is no way I'm going in there. there. There's like 50 people up on stage. Each has a guitar and a microphone. Uh, you know, the hands are waving in the air. It's like, what? this is not church. I'm going back to the small group. I want mini church. And so I'm standing out there and God bless that usher that grabbed my arm and pulled me in and said, Hey, there's a seat in the second to last row. Why don't you come on in? And so I sat down and, you know, just struggled through service and, and, you know, it was probably awesome. I have no idea what was said or, you know, I was just freaking out. And every once in a while I, I look up just a little bit looking for Tisha's big hair. Like, you know, where is she? I know she's in the room somewhere and, you know, couldn't find her thinking, Oh, she left me. She, you know, didn't come to church tonight or something like that, that heathen. Um, <laughs> But service is done, and I just figure I'm just going to bolt. And I had brought a backpack, and I had slipped it under my chair. So I pulled it out and was just going to shoot out the back door. And this guy behind me stops and says, hey, are you new here? And I'm thinking, oh, that usher put a tag on my back that said, you know, new guy. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, yeah, you know, I, I've been hanging out with Tisha and stuff. And, and uh, you know, I was looking for her tonight. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Tisha. And uh, she, she knows my daughter and stuff like that. And... Um, he goes, well, can I share a word with you? I was like, a word? What is a word? You sure? I don't know. Share a word with me. What, you know, can I encourage you? And I was like, I don't know. Well, prior to me walking in the door, uh, you know, looking around for Tisha, I had made a statement and I said, Lord, if you're real, I need a job because I had just dropped out of college and there I was working for the school and I had lost my job and I was trying to stay in Hawaii. 
figure out my purpose. And, you know, I'd had these encounters and I'd met these incredible people and I knew he was real, but it was just kind of a phrase I said. It's like, God, if you're real, I need a job. And this gentleman by the name of Bill Barnett, who's saying, can I give you a word and encourage you, said, "Um, I think God wants you to know you're real, so I'm going to give you a job. And I just stood there like, what did you just say? You know, and, and he goes, so you can meet me down at the Kailua Zippies uh, at 6 a.m. on Monday. It was a Friday night. And uh, I'll pick you up and, you know, we'll go from there. And I'm like, okay. And then I was like, what do you do? And he, he goes, oh, I'm a landscaper. I own a landscaping business and a nursery. And I was like, okay. And so Monday morning, I was, I was down there and I ended up working for him for the next 18 months and found myself getting discipled in just a very unique way because I got plugged in. I was in a mini church, but Bill every morning started off with prayer. You know, he gave me something to think about. Um, he challenged me to, you know, when you're mowing lawns, just pray out loud. You know, nobody's going to care what you're saying because they can't hear you. And so I learned to pray out loud. And, you know, I mean, I sl- slowly got to know Rob McWilliams through that. I got to know Tom Tom because um, uh, of the mini church I started to lead and um, found myself just in a posture and a position where the, the influx of, of, of knowledge and love started to fill my tank to realize part of this pursuit to understand um, my purpose and my identity had to do with my value. And I realized people valued me. They loved me because one day we were sitting out, uh, you know, the college group had gotten asked to do uh, some, you know, the parade, work in the parade, the Kaneohe parade. And we're sitting over in the parking lot of Safeway and I'm just sitting on the back of a truck, you know, just kind of swinging my legs and Tisha comes and hops up next to me. And, and she looks at me and she says, you know, Jeff, I want to, I want to see you get hired. I want to see you getting some time up at, up at Hope and we're doing college ministry and I'm leading a mini church now and, and I want to bring you on staff. And that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Cause at the time, all of a sudden I was saying yes to everybody, you know, Mike Kai, youth minister, uh, youth pastor at the time he was looking for help. Sure. You know, I think I can help there. We were doing building projects here, you know, laying bricks and, and planting and cutting glory golden glory. I'm sitting in Ralph's backyard, like making these little trimmings, you know, and sticking them in little cups of water thinking, I don't know why we're doing this, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, yes. Yes, Ron Chambers came and asked me. You used to do the video department here. Said, hey, Jeff, will you sit behind the camera? Sure. You know, that lasted like two times because sitting behind the camera, I realized I don't sit still really well. And I'm holding onto the camera, like so nervous. Like, am I going to stay on Ralph? You know, where is he moving? And I can hear Ron in the, the headset going, let go of the camera, Jeff. Let go of the camera, Jeff. I, oh, but, 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 you know, let go of the camera, Jeff. And I'm like, okay, I can't say yes to that anymore. Um, <laughs> But I learned that because I did say yes, and it moved me closer to, Lord, what am I supposed to say yes to? So we're sitting on the back of this pickup, and Tish is sharing all this with me. And, and I didn't hear job. I didn't hear money. I didn't hear, you know, more ministry. What I heard was, Jeff, this is your purpose. This is, this is why I created. You have value. You have worth. And it, it ravished my heart to the point where all of a sudden I realized, Lord, there is so much more of you. And I just want to discover you. And there's a verse in Matthew 13, 44 that, you know, write it down and read it this week and bring it up in mini church, but it's a parable. And it, it just simply reads that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. What I discovered that day sitting on the back of a pickup with somebody validating me and encouraging me was, oh Lord, there's a field here that I want to sell everything I own to, 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 
to own this place of value and worth. And, and if I can just give you a word of encouragement this morning, especially if you're new here and this is all like, who are these guys? And, you know, um, wh- where am I supposed to go? Is, is simply this, is that when we, when we look at ourselves and we start to get a little glimpse of our value, it really is only a little glimpse because God's delight is showing us how much he loves us and how valuable we are. And to this day, I still sit before him going, Lord, what is my purpose? What is my calling? Lord, show me my value again. And, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a depressed guy. I don't sit in the mirror and, you know, the Gary Smalley type of thing and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me. I don't have to do that. But, you know, uh, Stuart Smalley, excuse me. I think Gary Smalley's the actual, the author. Yeah. Stuart Smalley was the Saturday Night Live guy. Sorry if you're not a Saturday Night Live fan. Um, But I would just encourage you, you know, say yes in order to discover the value and purpose that you have. Amen. I think I have actually a unique perspective on Jeff and Tisha's life, I actually, um, when Jeff got involved and when Tisha started Affinity, anybody remember Affinity? Come on, Affinities. <laughs> the college group called Affinity. I was actually on tour with my punk band. I was gone. I was in the mainland for two months. And this is without phones, beepers, Facebook, or Twitter. I, had, I was dead to the world. I didn't know anything. And I came back. And I didn't know what was happening. I was like, I was a week late from school. And so I went to school. I had to go straight to, to UH right when I got back. I was walking to class and this guy from our church is like, hey, Tom, Tom, what's up, man? I'm all, hey, right on. Hey, dude, you, you going to Affinity tonight? I'm all, what's that? It's a, it's a college group. Of who? Who's leading it? Tisha. I'm all, Tisha's in the youth group. Nope, she moved. I'm all, what? She moved up. She's a college. I'm like, I was so like, I'm so, I was confused. Then the guy's like, you, you got you to gotta come to mini church time. Okay, cool. Shoots, I'll show up, man. It's a college group. Awesome. I'm in college. I've been in college for 10 years. All right on. <laughs> and then I'm all, okay, so where's it at? What time's it It's at 7 and it's at your house. <laughs> I got invited to my own house. <laughs> I had no idea it was, it was there. I said, shoots, I'll be there. I'll walk out of my room at 7 o'clock. <laughs> And that's exactly what I did. I walked out, out, out of my room at 7 o'clock, and seriously, I was, like, shocked at what I saw. There was, like, 40-plus college students in my living room. I mean, it was a, it, there was nothing mini about this church at all. It was just, it was just buzzling, buzzing with life and everything. And the weird thing, I saw Tisha. You know, Tisha was going crazy as usual. Like, yeah, there's Tisha. Awesome. Then I saw Jeff. And I'm like, all right, the, the, the creeper's here. He got saved. <laughs> Man, seriously, I was like, man, God is good. But then I noticed he was leading, and Tisha was actually giving him authority. And I'm like, going, what's, what is going on here? I mean, I came to the realization that, that the creeper was my shepherd now. <laughs> And I, hope, I say this lovingly because I absolutely love Jeff and his heart. But here's, here's, the, here's what I saw. It, this, is, this is God. Is when you say yes to him and when you actually give your life like he's saying he did, like he gave his life over to Jesus, Jesus puts him on the fast track. Boom. It doesn't matter if you were the heathen two months ago. When you say yes to him. He transforms you, and he wants to move you forward. And uh, you know what? I'm proud to say, I am proud to say that Jeff was my shepherd in that time. I am proud to say that. I'm proud to say that. 
And that was my perspective. And uh, I, I hope you're getting stuff out of this. And I just wanted, I wanted you guys to hear one more story. I, wa- I wanted to hear, you know, Jeff had a calling. He left this place, left this good church. Come on, who wants to leave this? And who actually wants to get rid of Jeff? Because he loved Jesus. And I remember Ralph saying on Thursday night, we had a party. So you know what? We give away our best. And we did. We gave away our best. And so I want to hear your story of how you started Hope Chapel Lewiston. Um, yeah, you know, we're celebrating 30 years and we're kind of looking back. But I just want to say the, the heart of this church is always looking forward. And the investment that's been made in people like me and, and people like you is that you've got a plan and a purpose. And being from Idaho, I'd go home and I'd visit and had vacation. And, uh, you know, I still had a love for that place. I'd reconciled with my parents. And uh, I had married my high school sweetheart, Jacqueline. We went to high school together. And so I moved her out here. And she got involved here and became a worship leader here. And, and one, one summer, I'd gone home. Uh, this is in 2005. And while I was at home, I just, I slipped out of the house and attended a church and I was sitting in this church service and I heard the Lord just say, Jeff, it's time to come home and I want you to lead with my heart the way that you've been trained and discipled to do. Everything that's been poured into you, I want you to bring it back here and pour it out. And I, I mean, I was, I was ravished in my heart because I didn't want to leave Hawaii and yet, and, and, and yet I didn't, I didn't want to dishonor God. And so I walked away from there and I went home and Jacqueline saw me and, and she just looked at me and she's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I, I said, I think God's, I think God's calling us to come home. And she just goes, oh, praise God, you heard him. And, <laughs> and it's not that she ever wanted to leave here because if she was here today, she'd say, I, I want to be here. But what she had been discerning and knowing and patiently waiting for was that God was doing something in my life and something in the ministry here, preparing me to go and send. And she had discerned it. God bless our wives who just see what we don't see. Um, and so, you know, I, we agreed kind of on the plane home ride, or the ride home here, uh, that's like, we're not going to plant a church though. We'll come here. We'll get involved. We'll plug into another church. My mom was passing away from cancer. Uh, she had a couple months to live. Um, and so we thought we'd come home, really help her, help my dad and just kind of transition life that way. And, and we had laid down this fleece before the Lord just saying, well, you know, if we're even supposed to move, then God speak to pastor Ralph. I mean, he's our, he's our, he's my pastor. He's our, my leader. And so we get home and we'd been away for two weeks and pastor Ralph had been away for two weeks in Australia touring and, um, speaking. And it's a Tuesday night and Tuesday night is uh, shepherds meetings, right? And so we're here staying late, eating dinner, and we know we have a shepherd's meeting at seven o'clock. And so, uh, I'm sitting in the office with my wife and pastor Ralph walks by and he kind of pokes his head in the office and says, Hey, you know, good to see you. When we get a chance, I want to talk to you. I've been thinking about you. And I was like, Oh, great. You know, I, I got some things I want to run by you too. Um, but not really. I just felt that's what I should say. And, uh, you know, we, we immediately just, I mean, he just said, well, let's start now. Come on in my office. So we kind of picked up our dinner and walked into his office and, and he's like, well, what do you got? I'm like, uh, why don't you go first? You know, Pastor Ralph, I'll respect you and you go first. What do you got? Um, and he's like, well, you know, I'm in Australia and I'm thinking about you. And I just, you know, what are we going to do with you, Jeff? Where's your future? What's, what's the plans? And let's start thinking about that, you know? And, you know, I'm plugged in here. I'm overseeing services and discipling and many churches and all that. But, but he's challenging me again to think bigger because God had been challenging him to look into me and think bigger. And I just said, well, you know, Ralph, it, the truth is I... I think I'm supposed to go home. 
And, you know, my mom, you know, everybody knew my mom was sick and stuff like that. And my heart was grieving. And I just, I think we're supposed to go home. And he, you know, Ralph's like, excellent. We're going to plant Hope Chapel Lewiston. And this is what we're going to do in three months. We're going to send you out and we're going to send you back next month to start a prayer team and a strategy team. And then we're going to get you licensed to have this international license so you can move quickly into any district. And I'm sitting there just going, okay, okay. You know, and he's just boom, 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 laying it out. My wife is sitting there squeezing the life out of my hands going, what are you doing? What are you saying yes to? And I don't know. I'm just saying, just saying yes, because isn't that what we're supposed to do? And so we get up and we're, we have to be in here now for this shepherd's meeting and we're walking over there and my wife, you know, she kind of just said, what did we just do? And I said, I don't know, but it'll be years. Like it'll take years to do any of that. Um, you know, we just, it was hypothetical, right? I mean, he was just like, you know, dreaming really big down the road. So we walk into this shepherd's meeting and he comes up and he talks a little bit about his trip to Australia. And then he says, you know, I've got some exciting news. We're planting a new church with Jeff and Jacqueline Chavez. They're going to Lewiston, Idaho to plant Hope Chapel Lewiston. And man, I just, the blood drained out of my head and I just panicked and he brought us up. Rob McWilliams jumping out of his seat, kind of going, what? Aaron Suzuki's in the back going, what? Tisha's going, what? You know, um, my wife is sitting there going, what? And, and he just starts to like talk about sending us out and you know we've been preparing and it's like well, there's no preparation we have not prepared we just got done talking about this um this was all theoretical right now and literally in three months uh we stood up here on a sunday during weekend services and said goodbye um that night at the shepherds meeting and then on sunday morning uh or this weekend services ralph just put a call out and if any of you want to go to lewiston idaho they would welcome you and it was dead silent. Like nobody said anything. And, and, you know, and I didn't expect anybody to say anything. But what we did was we moved in October. And the Easter of 2006, so a few months later, uh, we started Hope Chapel Lewiston by uh, renting a little park uh, downtown and putting the word out that we're just going to feed people. And we just bought tons of Costco chicken and potato salad and fruit punch and just said, come, because I had no idea what it meant to be a senior pastor. I didn't even know, you know, I started going to Walmart and Home Depot and just asking, hey, do you go to church anywhere? No, I don't go to church anywhere. Do you eat? You know, do you, you know what I mean, because we're going to serve chicken on, on uh, Sunday morning for Easter. And why? Well, we're kind of a new church in town, but don't tell anybody because I don't know what we're doing. Um, and... And, you know, we went to the homeless shelter. We went to Salvation Army and just kind of put up these little posters with the weirdest thing was when I saw Hope Chapel Lewiston printed on the poster. I just thought, there's no way. How did we get here? Um, what, what, what was I thinking? Um, and we stood in that park that day and we just served people. We started to empower people that I didn't even know. Hey, can, can, you, can you serve mashed potatoes? Sure. What's your name? You know? Kathy. Oh, perfect. Kathy, just serve them. How much do you want to serve them? I don't know. Just feed them. Let's just, let's just take care of people. And when I was standing there that morning, um, what I, what I realized, and I've carried these last, these last eight years, and I want to just impart to you this morning is though nobody came with us, I realized in, in a moment that everybody came with me. Everybody that had ever poured into my life, everybody that had ever said, yes, 
And I got to see them say yes. Everybody that took a moment and said, you know what? We're going to plant a church. We're going to send people out. We're going to start new mini churches. We're going to pray for the schools. I just, I stood there realizing, Lord, they're all here. Whether they know it or not, they're, they're, they're with me because Lord, we're family. And this big C, I love my church, big C. I love my church, small C. Lord, we're all one. Many members, but one body. And, and I, I sit here before you this morning, and I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Even if this is your first time this morning here, and you have no idea what's, what's ahead of you, I want to say thank you to you. Because you're at least seeking. You're at least wondering what's out there. And to this day, I still sit before the Lord, and I'm amazed at the opportunities that I get to turn to someone and say, that the, the, the moment I got hired here, I, Rob McWilliams brought me into his office. He sat me down. Um, how many of you know that if you want to follow Rob McWilliams, you got to drink your coffee? Uh, he moves a mile a minute. And he's a man of vision and destiny and purpose. But he took me into his office and he sat down and he put his feet up on the desk and he pulled out a paper. And he said, Jeff, this is what I want you to do. Read the paper. You know, no, put your feet up. Read the paper. I want you to give your job away for the sake of growing leaders. If I see you doing this, then I know you're doing your job. Because anybody can lay bricks. Anybody can lay their hands on someone else. Anybody can say yes to somebody that's, you know, where are the dishes? Well, I, I know where the dishes are. I'll show you. And granted, I have never put my feet up on the desk and, you know, pulled out the paper. But I've used that example for, for my staff members, for my small group leaders, for, for other pastors that I've had the opportunity to disciple, I said, you know, the best posture we can take is, is not one of relaxing, but being secure in knowing I'm valuable, I'm purposed, and I get to give away what I have freely received. And so I just want to say thank you, Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay. Happy birthday. I want to say thank you to the staff, to the pastors, Tom, Tom, Tisha, Pastor Rob, you and your family, the friends that I see sitting out there. Just thank you. I asked uh, Tish and Jeff to actually pray for you guys. Uh, I, would, I would love for them to impart their heart and whatever they want to pray over you guys. And so can you do me a favor? Can we all stand right now? And we're going to ask them to, to spend some time in prayer and, and they're going to share their hearts for you guys. If I could phrase it this way, I'd say this to each of you, and, and this is how I want to pray for you this morning, is that, that the seeker in you would be awakened. The seeker to know truth, the seeker to know purpose, the seeker to know value. And some of you, maybe you, you know that and you're really grounded in that. And if that's the case, then now the response is, Lord, the seeker to see it in others. But maybe some of you are here this morning and you just don't know who you are. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You don't know what to say yes to. And I'd like to just pray and activate the seeker in you to seek out the Lord. Because here's another verse that this week in mini church you can hang on to. It's Proverbs 14.4, and it says this in uh, the New Living Translation. It reads this way. It says, without ox, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. What this place is all about is saying okay to the messes, because what they really see and what they're discipling in each of us is that it's about the harvest. And the only way we're going to reach the harvest is if there's oxen in the stable. And you know what? With oxen comes their poop. And so part of what you and I get to be 
investing in the lives of others or having done in our life is learning how to pick up the messes, how to clean the stalls, because it's all about the harvest. And as I pray for you, I just want you to know that, that I'm believing God is going to start to stir you up to seek him in ways that maybe you never thought possible, to do things that you never thought you'd do before. And it might be as simple as just saying yes to something you hate and discovering when we kneel down and look eye to eye, all of a sudden the Lord opens our heart. So if you just take a moment and bow your heart with me, I just simply say, Lord, thank you. Thank you right now for this room that is full of seekers seeking the truth, seeking your love, seeking the value and worth that you affirm in us by your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we can turn our eyes to the harvest and see how great and awesome it is and know that I am a part of bringing that harvest in. So Lord, awaken the seeker this morning. The song that Trevor introduced to us, man, it's just so prophetic in my heart in the sense of awake, awake within me, Lord a love forevermore. Lord, awake it in me. Lord, awake it in the body this morning to seek you like we've never sought you before, to say yes to things that maybe we don't even know what we're saying yes to, but we're going to trust that it's you and pursue you. Lord, I thank you that there's a grace to help one another learn how to clean up the messes of our life and make an investment to release the saints to reach the harvest in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And with, uh, with your eyes closed, this morning I, I know that God has, uh, in his own way, showed you that he has intentions for your life. He has intentions for your life. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, the Lord declares this. He speaks this out. For I know the plans I have for you and this morning if you feel that you've stood and and maybe not said yes and maybe you stood there just going being apprehensive and and allowed fear and allowed your inadequacies and allowed the fact that you don't know how to say Ephesians you haven't read all 66 books of the Bible and I can't get involved I'm not this person or that person and I, I, I can't do this if you allowed those words to hold you back for being the, the color God wants to color this church and this world with what I want you to do just under your breath is just sometimes what we do is we put our faith in fear of the worst happening I'm going to fail I'm not going to be good enough instead of putting our faith in God because his word says that it's by his mighty power at work within us not our mighty power but his mighty power so just repeat after me Lord forgive me forgive me for allowing fear allowing faith my faith to be placed in fear rather than putting my faith completely in what you say that I can do let your mighty power God in me rock this world and rock this generation so father i pray you you would release your spirit release your heart release your vision your passion release the yes your yes god and my brothers and my sisters my friends and the next legends god there are legends in the house that other people will be going oh my gosh i remember them I remember them. I know. I remember they poured into me. 
So Lord, release. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, Tom Tom is going to lead you here in a moment. Um, for some of you, an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. But before he did that, I just wanted to take a moment um, and just say to you this morning, and, and it might be a challenge for some of you, but for those of you that might be struggling with the thought of suicide, both of your own life, but, but can I paint a picture? When we, when we discredit who we are, that's another form of suicide. I mean, we're killing our identity. And if you're here this morning and, and you've struggled with that, whether in the natural to, to you know, just take your life, you don't feel valuable, there's an incredible team available to pray for you. And I'd be willing to pray for you. But if you're here this morning and, and you've just either resisted the hand of the Lord because you haven't valued yourself, can we just break off that cycle of suicide, suicidal thoughts that just don't line up with God's word for you? with his value of who you are and and take a step today and just say, Lord, no more. Will I, will I let those thoughts steer and direct my life? Because all they're gonna do is steer and direct it away from his love and his purpose. And so if you're here this morning, I just wanna challenge you. I'm not gonna call you out publicly. I'm not gonna point you out in any way, but I would challenge you to take a step today and let someone pray for you. Turn to your spouse and say, if it's, you know, you're married, I, I've, I've struggled with that. I've done that. Find someone, seek them out. Go to your mini church pastor and just take a moment and break, have that cycle broken in such a manner where, where death will no longer reign. And so with that, Lord, right now, if there's anyone in this place that has struggled that way, Lord, we break off the fear of that confession. We break off the cycle of living under that torment. And we just, we just speak life over you. We speak purpose and identity over you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.